Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information on services or products, you can go to my website at lisa-schwartz.com. I hope you enjoy today's message. So, Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you, God, that your presence is clearly in this room and that the spirit of the living God is hovering in this place and indwelling within us. So we recognize you, God. We lean not on our own understanding, but we acknowledge you, God. In all of our ways, in this very moment, we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge, Father, that you are here. And so, Father, we don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room because you are in all things. You go before all things, Father, and you dominate all things, God, and we thank you. And so, God, I just step back and I let you be God. God, I I yield my mouth unto you. I yield my heart unto you. God, my hands to you, my mind unto you. Father, I am your vessel, for I am crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ Jesus lives and breathes and dwells in me and through me. And so, Father, I thank you. May all glory and honor go unto you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when Deborah called, she asked me if I would speak and share a little bit about my testimony and, and what God has done in my life. And y'all, I'm 45, so that's, that's a lot of life, you know? I just realized yesterday, I went to the doctor, I thought I was 44 this whole time, I've been saying I'm 44. And it occurred to me that in February, I turned 45 and not 44. It was a little bit of a shock for me. But then I was like, ooh, I look better than I thought I did. Um, because, um, yes, you, yes, you know, we got to love our design, right? So I'm 44, 45, I'm 45. And so I've lived a lot of life and there's a lot of things that have happened. And, And then I thought, gosh, you know, I don't, I love sharing what God has done in my life, um, but there's this danger that you get into in kind of talking about yourself and what God is doing in you and through you. And so I started really asking the Lord, um, how do you want me to approach this? How do you want me to share this in a way that's going to empower people? Because our stories are more than just stories. Our stories really aren't about us. They're not really about our circumstances, but they're really about what we've learned through the process. It's really about biblical principles that God has been impressing into us through the things that we've experienced in all the circumstances. And I was reminded about Jesus and how he understood the power of a story. And and he wasn't talking about his circumstances or events. When he was telling a story, what he was talking about was his experience in heaven. Right? So he would listen to his listener, or he would, he would speak to his listeners, and I like to liken it to the fact that he would reach out, he would grab a hold of the heart of his listeners, and it was like he was pulling them through Narnia's closet door and bringing them into another world. And he would say things like, imagine a world like this. Right? He said the kingdom of heaven is like, but what he was saying is, imagine a world like this. And he wasn't just telling them circumstances or events. His desire was to do more than that. His desire was to stir up the heart of the imagination and to present God possibilities in people's lives. See, a story is more than just, this is what's happened in my life. Because I don't really want you to know what's happened in my life. I mean, if you want to sit here and listen to it, that's fine. What I want is for you to hear the God possibilities. 
that your imagination would be stirred up and that by the things that I share with you, you wouldn't just be hearing events and circumstances, but that you would understand that the events and circumstances of my life have been a reflection. What they have all been about have been revealing biblical principles, kingdom principles into my life. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. And so I think we, le- we would do well to learn from Jesus that there is power in telling our stories. It's through the experience of, of life that w- what we think we know becomes a reality of what we really know. See, I can say I know, I have a knowledge of God and that he's a comforter in a time of need. But I personally have not lost anybody to death in my life. And so at this point in my life, it's a knowledge that I have, it's information, but it's not a reality because I haven't experienced it. See, there's knowledge that some of you have, but it hasn't become a reality in your life because you haven't walked through the experience of it. And so when I'm sharing my story, when Jesus was sharing his story, he was doing more than just saying, hey, this is information that you need to know about the kingdom, what he was saying is, I want you to come into the reality of the kingdom. See, he was pulling spiritual principles and bringing them down into natural frameworks so that we would somehow be able to comprehend what we otherwise wouldn't be able to comprehend. See, there are times when we hear things about what God can do, what he wants to do in our life. There have been some of you in this room that the Holy Spirit has even been speaking some of those things to you personally in your own heart and in your own mind. And they seem high and lofty way out here, but God wants to pull those in and through you, through your life, through your experiences, make it a reality, heaven here on earth. See, we're the intersection between the spiritual and the natural. You understand that we're here to cause earth to look a little more like heaven. See, it is because of our lives, just like Jesus, that we pull the knowledge through the experience and the knowledge of kingdom riches, kingdom principles, biblical principles. And in the way that we live our lives, there's a shifting that happens that it becomes more than just information. It becomes a reality that then is presented as a God possibility in the lives of those around us. See, we're here to inspire people to empower them, to say to them, imagine your life like this. Imagine, see, a lot of us go to bed every night saying, I wish I would, I wish I could. God keeps telling me, but I can't seem to get there. And God wants to shift that in your lives. And I'm praying that through some of the experiences that I've walked through, some of the things I get to share with you, that there will be something that shifts inside of you that says, I want this to be more than a knowledge. I want this to be more than a hope. I want it to become a reality in my life. You know, the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And that word testimony there means a do-over, to do it again. And so I'm praying right now, I'm just going to speak it out into the air that as I speak my testimony, that there will be a redo over and over and over again. And that what God has done in me and through my life, there will be people who rise up in this very room and he does it again. Because you've gotten more than just information today, but you've had a presentation of your God possibility. And that your heart and your imagination has been stirred up. I like to tell people that your imagination is God's writing tablet. It's where he writes and he shows you things. 
And, and it is important that we're continuously saying, Heavenly Father, here's my imagination. I'm rolling it out like a blank scroll for your finger to begin to draw upon and beginning to see the God possibilities. So a story is more than a story. It's the stirring of the imagination, the presentation of your possibilities. We learn information or truths through stories, but it's not about the information. It's about the reality of the experience. It's about the biblical, it's, it's the possibility. It's the possibility. And that's what we do through Crazy Eight Ministries. That's what I do. You'll hear me talk about Crazy Eight Ministries, and you'll hear me say the LLC. So we have a nonprofit side and a for-profit side. So if you hear that, that's just terminology that y'all are like, what's she talking about? In both sides, in both sides, my mantra in everything that I do is to enforce purpose in the lives of people. To enforce, but you know, the Bible says that a people without a vision, they perish right? Or they lack self-restraint. People without a revelation cast off restraint is what it says. And so when we see people living lazy, sloppy, apathetic lives, not following through, we're all really good at setting goals, but we're really bad at following through on them. Are we not? Why? Because we lack vision. We lose our eye off of our God possibilities, the presentation of heaven, heavenly experiences in our lives. And it's by the stirring up of those visions, the stirring up of those dreams, the stirring up of what God has shown us, keeping our eye upon those things that causes us to be self-disciplined and to follow through on everything that we say we're going to do. That's that lack of self-restraint that that scripture is talking about. So a lot of us think, oh, I lack self-restraint. I have in my mind to do what I know. That's what Paul said. But that which I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I don't, I don't do. And the challenge here is a lot of times we try to muster up in our own flesh, in our own strength, saying, well, I just need to work harder. I need to get up earlier. I need to make a list. I need to get more organized. Right? But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, without a revelation, you lack restraint. So I can clearly say with confidence, with a revelation, I will have restraint. Meaning with a dream, it says without vision, we perish. So with vision, we prosper. Right? So I don't need to try harder. I just need to keep my eye on the vision that God has given to me. And so that's what I want you to hear today. there's There's a quote by Anthony DeMella that says, a lost coin is found by means of a candle. The deepest truth is found by means of a simple story. But you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me in the scripture when John said, or when Jesus said to John, you shall know the truth and truth shall set you free. And that word to know there means, it doesn't mean to just have knowledge of, it means to realize or to recognize, it's the recognition of truth by personal experience. See, a lot of us, we say, well, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And so we have this information of what God can do for us and what he says he wants to do, but we can't seem to connect the dots between what God is saying and where my life is at. Am I talking to anybody in this room other than myself? Because there's a disconnect there between knowledge, information, and experience and reality. But God says, he says, it's not the knowledge and the information of who I am that's going to set you free. It's the reality of your life coming into the experience of that information that's going to set you free. 
So how do we activate that knowledge and that information? Because the word says all over, all over the place, when Jesus gave information, he gave an action. There was an invitation to act. And it was upon the action of the individual that the promise came to fruition. I'm jumping way to the end of my message, Holy Spirit. I'm just following him. A lot of times we go to bed every night repeating the knowledge and the information and never realizing that with every nugget of information, with every nugget of knowledge, with every word that we're given, there's an invitation to act. And what separates somebody like me from somebody who says, I've always wanted to do that too, is one word and it's called action. It's called action. Because when God gives you a word, there's an invitation to action. When he put the mud in the blind man's eyes, he said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam and you shall see. What if the man never had washed? Does that negate the fact that God was a healer and he could have healed his blindness? Absolutely not. Does that make the word of God less true? No, it means he didn't follow through on the action that he was given. When Hannah was barren, she was told, go home, and you shall bear fruit. And she added the act of being one with her husband. Without that act, she wouldn't become impregnated. The promise would have never come to fruition. See, the word plus her action brought forth the promise. Yeah. The ten lepers, go and present yourself in the temple as healed. I can't imagine what it would have been like because if they'd have gotten there and they hadn't been healed, they would have been stoned to death. That was against the law. And so with every step, they had to look at each other and say, are you healed yet? Are you healed yet? How about you? Are you? No. Okay, do we keep doing what God has told us even though we don't see the sign yet? See, because the Bible says that we are a people who function on faith and signs follow our faith. I'm going to say that again. Because a lot of us are waiting for a sign to function on faith. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says we walk on faith and signs follow us. Signs follow us. So the ten lepers experienced that with every step. They had to say, will we still believe? Will we still believe? Will we still? And I wonder at what point were they actually healed? Was it on step one or was it on the final step when they got there? We don't know because scripture doesn't say. But what we do know is that it says that they were healed as they went. As they went. So many of us in here are like, God has told me I'm going to be healed. He's told me I'm going to be healed. And we're just sitting here going, okay, God, you do it. Well, I'm sorry. We can lay hands on you all day long. If you're a diabetic, you should probably should watch your diet. Because God's given us wisdom, and in that healing, there's an invitation to co-labor. See, because he's handed dominion and authority over to humans. So he's, he could, but he's not an invasive God. He gives us a free will. Why? Because he wants us to choose. He gives us the power of choice. Now, he could take that away, but what would be the point? So to know means to come and to realize the recognition of personal experience. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The Bible is full of stories that absolutely give us information. And they teach us biblical principles, but they're not about the information. 
The stories are about real experiences of real people. And these stories are to inspire us and stir up our purpose, to stir up our God possibilities, and to present to us kingdom principles. And to, to have us consider, imagine my life like this. Imagine, Lisa, imagine your life like this. Imagine this. And, and the Holy Spirit is continuously stirring those things up. God himself was a, was a storyteller. I think about the creation story and how God was setting, setting the stage in creation. It's like a director setting, setting the stage for a, a play, right? That he's going to insert his characters into the perfect backdrop to set the stage for a story. And he tells us in Psalm 139, all the days written for you or were, were ordained while you were yet in your mother's womb. See, there's a story that's already been written. It's already been established. Whether or not you come into it is your choice. But if you don't, it's been established. It has still been established. Because all the days ordained for you are written in a book. In a book, in a story. God's written a story and we're living out the lives of a story that is to, to speak a message that reflects the heart of our author. Right? Because when I write books, and all throughout my book, you're, you're going to hear, you're going to learn about me. You're going to learn about the author because there are things that I write in my book that reflect my heart. I have a story to tell about the things I've experienced, and God has a story to tell about what he's experiencing, and he wants to tell those stories through the lives of us. See, we've got to live and recognize that our life far supersedes our life. See, we've been called for a transcendent purpose that is beyond ourselves. It's, it's about kingdom principles and what God wants to do in us and through us. And it's not even about us. The fact that we get to enjoy it is such an amazing blessing and perk. But it's still not even about that. This is about God having a message having a message here on earth, and we are it. We are it. This is why our stories and our testimonies are so powerful. They're not about information. They're about our experiences, about what God has revealed to us. They reveal God's hearts, his ways. And as I begin to tell you my story, I don't want you to hear my story. I want you to hear what I've learned about God. I want you to hear about his character and his nature and how it's carried me through. So a lot of people, I, I share with people, I'm like, a lot of people look at you, you, you know, when you show up to speak, y'all, you get up early and do your hair and your makeup. But my life doesn't always look like this. You know, we wrap ourselves up in a nice pretty little box and put a pretty little bow on top, but inside we all have a bunch of junk. We all struggle with our own things. This is why I didn't want to talk to you about my story. And so God wants to, but through all of that, through the cleaning out of the junk, through the cleaning out of the muck, through the cleaning out of the mire, it hasn't been just about the experience. It's been about the heart and the nature of God and the things that I have learned. So I, I want my story today to be more than just, oh, we heard Lisa Schwartz today speak in her story. I hope you experience a probing of the heart a stirring of your imagination and a presentation of your God possibility. 
So as you're listening to my story, I hope you think, gosh, that could be me. That could be what she's, what she's presenting to me. So I've been, shared, I've been asked to share my story with you, and I was stumped because, like I said, I've lived a lot of life. And so I started thinking about, okay, well, I could tell my salvation story, or I could tell my challenge in parenting. I have six children. We homeschooled them. So that could be a whole nother message. I'll need more than 30 minutes for that. Um, I could tell you about my de- deliverance from clinical depression. I had clinical depression with panic anxiety attacks for about 11 years of my life. Um, you would never have caught me dead standing up in front of somebody like this, or a room full of women like this. I could tell you all about that. I could tell you all about my discipleship experience and my mentor and how she taught me how to turn information into experience and how to execute it. You can read about that in my first book. Um, I could tell you all about my marriage and the challenges it's been in there, but you can read about that in my third book. I could share with you my health issues and some of the challenges that I've had to learn how to set a pace and to remember that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And so we don't have to be navigated by the Holy Spirit, but God has given me a authority to be a part of navigating the way the Holy Spirit. You know, have you ever heard people like, the Spirit made me do it? No, I didn't. Okay, so that's a whole other message for a whole other day as well. And so the list could go on and on and on. Um, but the reality is, um, I'm still starting my journey with God. In, and that's exciting for me. And so are you. Every day is a new day in the spirit. And um, his faithfulness is new every day. And no matter how far we've come with God, we're still at the very beginning. And that could freak the daylights out of us um, or it could excite us. Um, and so I'm still starting my journey with the Lord. But most people want to know about the ministry and how it got started. So I'm, gonna, I'm really going to talk to you about that. Let me start by talking to you about my call to ministry. Um, I first felt the call to ministry in about 2010. And actually, at the time, I had been working with youth, I'd been working with women, and I was traveling around the United States, designing and developing conferences and speaking um, to masses of people. And it was fun. This is fun. Um, you know, standing in front of people, the glitz, the glamour, the lights, the clops, all of that stuff, it was great. And so, um, but... But the Lord really began to challenge me and asking, what are you really doing to change my kingdom, have an impact on my kingdom? And really begin to speak to me even about the impact that we are to have on the social statistics of the areas where we live. And really not just having this high and lofty kingdom, ooh, it's a great, fun, emotional weekend conference, and then on Monday it means nothing to me because I don't know how to take all this exciting information that was presented to me and turn it into execution on Monday. It becomes this high and lofty, and it doesn't do any good, right? And so uh, the Lord really began to convict me and ask me, what have you really done to impact? What have you really, and then he even said this, what have you really sacrificed? What have you really given up to pursue my kingdom and to be a part of the revelation of kingdom principles here on earth? And so the Lord um, reminded me of the story of the Good Samaritan, so I'm going to give you a little, like, synopsis, like little altars in my life is what I'm going to do. Uh, in this particular area of my life, the Lord said, let's, re- let's think about the Good Samaritan and how he was beaten and he was abused and he was stripped and he was left for dead. And the Lord said, I want you to re- realize that that is an image of the people. 
And that is an image of what people struggle with, that people are being stripped, they're being abused, they're being left for dead by the way my enemy, the enemy is having his way with them. And, And you have the priest and the Levite, the kingdom people, the church folk, who walked by them, and scripture says they took note of him, (laughs) and they kept walking. Now, it's possible, scripture doesn't say, but it's possible that they were like, ooh, let's go pray for him. Or, bless you, brother, in Jesus' name, and just kept on a-walking. And the Bible doesn't say that they necessarily did nothing, but they didn't do something. See, a lot of us think, well, if I don't know how to do everything, I'm going to do nothing. But God says, just do something. Just do something, right? But there was one man who crossed the road and was willing to get dirty, was willing to give up his schedule, gave up his ride, gave up his time, risked his safety, put the man on his, put him in his car. Okay, so he put the man in his car. And then he changed his direction of the day, went back, took the man, put him in an inn, paid for it, and then followed through until the man was completely healed. And so the Lord challenged me through that and said, what does it look like for you to do more than be like, bless you ladies in Jesus' name, and give them a really good word, but come alongside those who are really broken, abused, stripped, left for dead, and said, I'm going to give up my ride. I'm going to give up my time, I'm going to change my schedule, I'm going to rearrange everything, and I'm not going to leave you until I see it through. That's what it looks like to make disciples. See, a lot of us think we should just make converts, but God says we make disciples. And speaking salvation into somebody takes a moment. Leading them to the Lord takes a moment, but raising up a disciple takes a lifetime. And so I knew in this moment when God was challenging me this, I was like, ooh, I need to be, you know, because the scripture says when you make a vow, (laughs) it's better for you not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. So it says in Ecclesiastes. So when God is inviting us, we better be serious and we better not be flippant and we better really be intentional about the choice that we make. Because I believe God would rather hear us say, God, I'm not ready. God, I'm scared. God, I don't think I can do it. Then, oh, sure, God, yeah, whatever you say. My life is yours, and then not follow through on it. So when, when God invites us, we should be serious because he's not playing games, and he's not like eeny, meeny, miny, mo. okay, I'll take you. He's very intentional. Remember we said that all the days ordained for you are already written in a book. See, so this path that I'm on was already written, and God said, here's the best path for you. Now, you can take that path but you'll miss out on the blessings and the riches, right? Just like them in the wilderness, they chose to take their own path and God's presence was still with them. He still provided them. He still sheltered them and he still loved them, but they missed out on the milk and the honey. And a lot of us are doing that. We're living in the land of just enough instead of the land of plenty, right? We get delivered from the the land of not enough. 
We get in the just enough. We're like, God's just enough. God gave me just enough. This is a whole other issue, y'all, but it drives, drives me crazy when people say that. God gave me just enough. He just, to the deck penny, like that's a biblical principle. I'm like, God is not a just enough God. He is a God of more than enough. So let's stop speaking about him the way he's not because he says, I'm a God who didn't just feed the multitude, but there were basketfuls left over. I'm a God who anoints your head and your cup overflows, right? So every scripture that I read, the God that I know isn't the God of just enough. So, so please don't be like, God, mm, yes, God, right to the very penny. No, God's going to give you an, an extra penny. I'm just saying, that's a whole nother message for a whole nother day too. So this was, this was my call, and the story of the Good Samaritan was a challenge for me to do something, to step outside of my comfort zone and to inconvenience myself. My training ground, my preparation... See, a lot of times, then I had all this question and this fears and, and asking the Lord, God, I'm not ready. I'm not adequate. Uh, I'm not equipped. And God was like, I know. That's why you're perfect. You're an ordinary, unschooled woman who has been faithful in the field. Just like David, who fed his sheep and cleaned their poop. That's what I had been doing my whole life. <laughs> Six children. I had been feeding sheep and cleaning their poop. But I was faithful in that. <laughs> My children were always cleansed. And so I, but I was faithful in that. But just like David, who cultivated his intimacy with the Lord as he sat out there, where did, where did David learn how to play the harp? Scripture doesn't say, but I believe somewhere as he sat out in those fields alone with God, there was a cultivating going on of the intimacy in his relationship with the Lord. And God did that for me when I was at home and alone and struggling with isolation and loneliness and my depression. I learned how to press into the presence of the Lord and stir up intimacy. And, the, and just like David, his own worship, his intimacy with the Lord is what, all, what ushered him into the presence of a king. God is doing the same thing with me. See, the Bible says that the gifts of the Lord will make room for you. That they will open up doors to kings and nobles. But David cultivated his own relationship with the Lord in the field, being faithful where God had called him. And just like that, every day I would spend time in scripture, I was faithful to raise up my own disciples in my own home. And on the practical side, putting together chore charts, treating them, teaching them how to have conflict resolution, which is exactly what we do today with 43 residents putting together chore charts, teaching them how to communicate with one another, teaching them biblical principles by the way we live our lives, not just by giving them information. And that's what God was doing. I didn't know it then, but God knew. For such a time as this, I'm preparing her and I'm equipping her and I'm going to put a call in her life, but ultimately she has to say yes. And she has to add to the word an action in order for my promise to come forth. And that action's not always been easy because it requires faith and it requires overcoming fear. People look at me and they're like, do you have any fears? Of course I have fears. I have tremendous fears. Living a life of victory doesn't mean you don't have fears. It means you still move forward in the spite of fears. In the face of, see, the Bible says that he prepareth a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. It doesn't say I will remove your enemy from you. It says walking in victory of the Lord means you know how to sit and eat of the goodness of the Lord while you're staring at the enemy going, nah, 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 nah. That's what we're doing. Fear, I see you. I recognize you, but I have nothing to do with you. You can come with me if you want, but you will not be driving the car. 
The Holy Spirit and I will be driving this car. So you can, t- do you see what I'm saying? I just have learned to ignore that. So a lot of people look and they're like, oh, she's confident, she's bold, she's this, she's that. Absolutely. In the Holy Spirit, there's an authority and a confidence that he's given to me. But if you think there have been moments in my life and there aren't still moments in my life that I doubt and have fear, you're crazy. Because it's a reality of living in a flesh house. It's the reality that we're going to face. So I've had to learn how to overcome my fears and, and answer this question, am I adequate? Am I adequate? And you know what God said to me? He said, I'm not looking for somebody who's adequate. I'm simply looking for somebody who is available. That's it. And I was like, okay, God, I'm it. And before I close, I want to say this. God has spoken to me over and over again that when he calls us to build something, see, we're called to be builders. There's a foundation that's been laid in the name of Jesus Christ, and we're to build upon the foundation. I believe that foundation is your purpose. Okay, so there was a purpose that God had, and he birthed your flesh around the purpose, just like with Jesus. There was a purpose and a call that he had, and God put flesh around that, and his name was Jesus. And each one of us have a purpose and a call, and he has birthed our flesh around that purpose and a call. And that's the foundation that was laid before the foundations of the earth. While we were yet in our mother's womb, that foundation was laid within each one of us, and our life is all about building upon the foundation that God has put within us. Now, many of us spend time and energy building on other foundations, and they fall and they tumble like the Tower of Babel, and they come to nothing. But God says he's called us to build upon this foundation. We are builders. And as we are building, just as Noah's, Noah built, God has continuously asked me this question. What are the odds that Noah built the ark so perfectly that it didn't have any crack, no flaw, and it wouldn't sink? No tools of the day. Didn't have all the technology that we have today. What are the odds that Noah built the ark so perfectly that it would float? Zero to none. Because it wasn't Noah's amazing craftsmanship that kept the boat floating. It was the hand and the grace of God. Blessing his obedience, his action. See, God gave him a word. He added to the word the act of obedience. And out came the promise. And I want to encourage you as you move forward and as you sit here and think today, I'm hoping all day long, I'm just speaking it out into the atmosphere, Holy Spirit, that everybody is hearing you say, imagine your life like this. Because fear of inadequacy, not knowing how to do the how will keep you from establishing the what God is telling you. Right? When he said, here's what's going to happen, Mary. You're going to birth a woman or birth a baby, and he's going to be called uh, the Messiah. And she said, how can this be? And he said that the angel of the Lord would come upon you and would overshadow you and overtake you with a power from upon high. So when the how gets louder than the what, back up and say, the how doesn't matter. Am I adequate doesn't matter. Because anything that I build in my life will be kept afloat, not because I'm an amazing craftsmanship, craftsman, but because God's hand and his grace is upon my life. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we worship you.
I give you glory, honor, and praise, God, for all that you have done. And I pray, God, that every single person in this room would not be, I'm just praying even for a holy discontent to move across this room, God. I know that you say we're supposed to be content in all things, but God, there is a holy discontent that would keep us from settling in and becoming comfortable and complacent where you have us. God, the kingdom of heaven is on the increase. And God, just as you are increasing, you have called us to increase. You're constantly moving us into greater planes greater works, God, greater gifts. And so, Father, I just activate that increase right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on Lisa Schwartz, please head to my website at lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.